Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you. So I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. All right, this episode must start with a dramatic sip of tea. Ah, Hibiscus heart tea, that is, because I have just released my first ever Mary's cup of tea, like actual tea. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but in case you don't, you know from listening to this podcast that I've been feeling quite lost lately and a little directionless, hence the topic of today's podcast episode. And with that, I've also been challenging myself to try new things, things that are fun and fresh and challenging to me because that's something that I feel like I've been lacking. Before we get into feeling behind in life, I got to give you a little life update. So flashback to May, which also happens to be the same month that I recorded an episode all about feeling lost. That's episode number 163, in case you want to refer back to that. And around that time, like the beginning of the summer, this idea of feeling lost was really starting to become big and real for me and something I couldn't not talk about. At first, I felt kind of weird sharing that because I don't want you to listen to this and think that like Mary hates what she does and she's doing this whole Instagram and podcast thing just because she feels so stuck. And that's not what it is at all. I actually really, really love what I do. It's just there's certain elements of it that I've been doing for so long in such a way that they're really starting to not burn me out physically, but kind of like not feel super aligned to my heart and soul. And after seven years of doing the same thing, I think we can all relate to just wanting something different and craving a little bit of a change. But that can also be scary because you don't know what that change is or what direction you might be headed moving forward. And also this idea of like 
am I just going to ditch everything that I worked so hard for and redirect my entire trajectory? That feels quite intimidating also. So in May, when I recorded that podcast episode about feeling lost, around that same time, it was just a couple of months after my wedding and my husband and I went to open up our first ever joint bank account. So we go to the bank and we're sitting there. And as always with these types of financial affairs, people ask, what do you do? And I'm like, I work for myself. And they have to put that into the the bank file, right? So they're like, okay, what's the name of your company? And I'm like, Mary's cup of tea. And usually the follow-up question is, oh, cool. Do you sell tea? And I always have to explain like, no, I don't really sell tea. I do the whole like blogging, social media thing. And I write books, right? And as I'm, you know, (laughs) feeling self-conscious about explaining that, I slowly remember looking over to my husband and being like, wait, should I sell tea? Like, should I revisit that idea that I had seven years ago when I first bought maryscupoftea.com? The initial intention was to make it some form of an online tea store. And that was, you know, a weird time in my life in general. I had just quit bikini fitness competitions, talk about a big life change and a giant ego identity death. I also met this person and got into a relationship, moved to a different country for him, switched schools, switched majors, like totally different. I went from business to biochemistry and I was just on such shaky, unsteady ground with all this stuff going on in my life as I'm in the thick of recovery, that starting that kind of business like tea quickly became very overwhelming. I didn't have the resources or the capacity to do something like that. So I set it aside, never really thinking I'd go back to it because again, there was a lot going on in my life. And then I quickly started blogging and Mary's cup of tea turned into just like things that Mary likes, you know, like Mary's cup of tea. So that revelation back in May of like, you know, tea is such a big part of my life, always has been since childhood. I would have tea parties with my grandparents every single night after dinner. Tea is a big part of Slavic culture. We always drink black tea literally every single day. It's always been so soothing to me. Even at that lowest low in my life, tea was always there. It was just always a source of comfort. And I just thought about how full circle that could be if I were to make my own tea. So of course, right after the bank, we went to a nearby cafe, started doing all this research on tea. I just reached out to like a dozen companies and I was like, hey, I'm new to this, but I'm trying to source tea for my brand, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew that it would be a journey and it was. But it was also pretty serendipitous because this company called Kaziyetu emailed me back and they just so happen to be based out of Tanzania. And they're like mostly all women owned and operated and very ethical, like ethical sourcing from farmers and fair pay for workers. And actually all of their employees that work in the facility are women, especially single moms and students. 
And me and the owner of Kazietu started talking over email. And then I'm like, hey, I really want to make a hibiscus blend because I want to just start with something herbal because I, I drink herbal tea more often than not because I'm sensitive to caffeine, but also more on brand for the mission, which is to really like calm yourself down. So that's what we started working on. And talk about serendipity. They're based out of Tanzania. And my husband and I, at that point, had already booked our honeymoon to Tanzania. So I was like, wait, can I come visit your facility and like meet you and meet the team and check everything out for myself? And they were like, of course. I think they actually invited me before I could even bring that up. And that's exactly what we did after our safari. I rerouted our flights to go through Dar es Salaam, the capital of Tanzania. And it was just such a unique connecting experience for me. It definitely felt exciting and like the exact little passion project that my soul needed. And I'm so proud of how it turned out. I did not expect, however, that within three days, we would be almost completely out of inventory. Except, except I set aside exactly 10 Tetons and I initially set them aside thinking they would be for like friends and family. But then I realized that I never actually told you about the tea, you as in my podcast listeners. And I know there might be some of you who don't go on social media. So I've decided that these 10 tea tins that I've set aside for friends and family are going to go to you, my podcast listeners. So at the time of this recording, I have exactly 10 sitting right next to me. If you would like one of these, I would absolutely love to send you one. You can go to maryscupoftea.com slash tea and place your order there. We do ship internationally, though those shipping costs can get quite high. But the good news is that I actually asked the company that I'm sourcing the tea through to send some units to their warehouse in Germany. So if you're within Germany, that shipping rate is only like five euros. And everywhere else in Europe, including Great Britain and Switzerland, it's a flat rate of 15 euros. And I think over in Europe, we have about 15 to 20 left. So if you're a European listener and you want to get some for yourself, keep in mind that's a flat rate. So it doesn't matter if you order one or five teas, that shipping rate is going to be the same. And it's going to get to you rather quickly because you're in Europe and we have tea in Europe. So these remaining teas are reserved for my podcast listeners, myself lovers. I really hope you enjoy it as much as I do and that we can take dramatic sips of tea together as I'm recording and you're listening. So without further ado, let's actually get into this topic of feeling directionless. And yes, I already did an episode on feeling lost, but I think that feeling directionless is actually a little bit different. Here's why. If you're anything like me, you might have grown up with rhetoric where your parents, your teachers, the people around you that wanted you to succeed would tell you things like, you're ahead of the game, you're an overachiever, maybe like a high performer, and you felt validated when you exceeded expectations. This is a topic that I've already done a podcast episode on a few weeks back. It's number 180, all about detaching your self-worth from productivity. But here I want to talk about it specifically as it pertains to feeling directionless. So if you've been validated 
based on meeting expectations, exceeding expectations, any kind of achievement, whether that's in school or sports or arts or just how good or polite you are, you know, the whole good girl trope is probably a pretty big thing for a lot of us who are socialized as girls and women in this particular society. If that's how you've been validated, then when you don't exceed expectations or when you don't overachieve, you feel the complete opposite, right? There's like no middle ground. You're either exceeding expectations, overachieving, or you feel as though you're failing or falling behind. And the fact that this is so black and white just highlights the cognitive dissonance there. What if you're not falling behind? What if you're exactly where you need to be, but you're just so used to getting validated based on external arbitrary expectations that it doesn't feel like you're exactly where you need to be because you get so discombobulated when there's no one on the outside to tell you how good you're doing. And that's such a weird complex to grapple with because, of course, being human, we want to and in some ways we need to get validated from our peers, our family, our community. We have this deep desire to feel accepted and loved for who we are. But if you are constantly trying to earn that love, if you're trying to do things to deserve it, if you're performing, perfecting, achieving, doing, 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 then you're disconnecting from the being. You turn yourself into a human doing rather than a human being. And this creates such a slippery slope because, again, the more you do, the more like okay and accepted. And I almost get this, I don't know if you felt this way before, but especially when I was struggling with disordered eating and I would like see the number on the scale go down or I would successfully skip a meal or count the perfect amount of calories, I almost felt high. Like I literally felt fucked up. And now I realize that I was literally fucked up on external validation. Even though that voice was inside my own head, that's not the same thing as internal validation. That is external validation internalized. So if you've been told enough that losing weight, eating less, being thin was good and perfect and how girls ought to be and look like, then over time you're going to internalize that voice and you're going to tell yourself that. And thus, when you achieve some form of success in that arena, you're going to get high off of that and you're going to validate yourself for that. And suddenly when you don't have that, when you don't have your appearance, when you don't have your looks, when you are struggling or you're stressed or your body is like, please feed me, please stop doing this to me. I am hungry physically, emotionally, spiritually. Okay. So that was an esoteric aside. Let's focus back in on feeling behind. Feeling behind in life is essentially a conversation about comparison. If we feel behind, then there's somebody else that must be ahead. And it's only when we compare ourselves to them that we feel behind. And keep in mind that that someone else could also be 
yourself in an alternate reality or like your own potential or maybe your past self where you compare yourself to a person that you used to be or you want to be and thus you feel behind as a result of that kind of comparison. But in general, it's all about comparing yourself to others based on external factors. And if you believe that the solution to feeling behind is to catch up and get ahead, guess what? That is still comparison. That is still you basing your worth, your feelings of security and confidence and assurance on some random arbitrary timeline. Feeling behind, feeling ahead, those are two sides of the same coin, better or worse than judgmental, icky, icky energy. The antidote to feeling behind is not feeling ahead, but rather feeling aligned. What is going to make you feel most aligned to your values? Author of The Hero's Journey, Joseph Campbell, he has this quote that I'm just obsessed with, and it's something I've been hanging on to for months, and I tell myself this anytime I'm feeling lost or directionless or just behind in life and not exactly where I want to be. If the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. If the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. So that means all of us who are a little bit unsure, who don't necessarily have this grand 10-year plan, who aren't trying to put ourselves into boxes, that means that we're actually paving our own way. And that's admirable. And I am assuming that if you're listening to this, you're either a woman or you identify as a woman, or maybe you're a non-binary individual who was socialized as a girl and woman growing up. This by default applies to you because so many examples of success that we've been shown and that in some ways have been shoved down our throats, they're based on the success of certain types of individuals who already have certain advantages in this society. When I was researching this, I was thinking about, you know how there's like those quotes floating around the internet that's like, Steve Jobs didn't become a millionaire till he was 45. And then they like put a list of like all these supposedly successful people that achieved success later in life. I get the intention. The intention is to show you that you're not behind in life and most quote unquote successful people don't become that way until they're older. And I realized that all of these quotes I see floating around the internet usually show like male entrepreneurs. And this got me thinking to a podcast episode whom I, I don't remember who the interviewer was or who the interviewee was, what podcast it was. I don't remember at all. All I remember is this message. It was an interview with somebody who I think they sold their company for like many millions of dollars. And the interviewer asked this successful person a generic question like, what makes you so successful? And the guy responded, he was like, how do you know I'm successful? And the interviewer got all frazzle-dazzled and he's like, uh, what do you mean you built this big company and you sold it for multi-millions? Like, you're successful. And the guy goes... But it's only a success 
if that's what I set out to do. Like if my goal was to live a quiet, peaceful life, but I ended up getting famous and making millions of dollars and becoming this hotshot entrepreneur, then I've actually failed epically at my goal. And therefore I'm not a success, right? Like I failed at what I wanted. So it's only a success if it's aligned to your true desires. This response really landed with me because again, if the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. And pretty much all women in this world are paving their own path because more times than not, women everywhere have had to pave their own paths, especially in the last half a century. So you're already winning, even if it doesn't match up to this arbitrary timeline, these random expectations set out by society. That might just be a good thing. When you look at all these people and you're tempted to compare yourself to those who graduated, got jobs, got married, reproduced, bought cars and houses and vacations, not only are you doing a disservice to yourself, and granted a lot of this we see on social media, so we don't see the full picture, the behind the scenes, the trust funds, the (laughs) hard work, maybe the challenges and tribulations. It's hard to remember that when you're in the depth of comparisonitis. When you do this, you're also contributing to the narrative that success is measured by these external achievements that look good in an Instagram photo rather than on inner fulfillment, right? That alignment that did I do what I actually set out to do or am I feeling the way that I actually want to feel? Because once you start talking to more people that maybe you see as successful, and I'm so fortunate that I get to talk to really cool women every single day of my life who inspire me in so many different ways. And they also are so vulnerable with me and sharing that maybe, you know, I got my master's and PhD, but I don't even know if I studied the thing that I really wanted to pursue or I'm getting so freaking burnt out in this job that I've spent my whole career fucking building and now I hate it. Like so many people are feeling that way. And so it begs the question of, firstly, I think the whole 40-year career into retirement trajectory is just dead. It's been dying and I've officially declared it dead. You heard it here on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast first. That perfect timeline that's created for elderly white men in America we're done with it, okay? So now it's time to ask ourselves, whose ruler are you using to measure your success and that of other people's, right? If you're comparing yourself to others, not only are you judging yourself, you're judging the person you're comparing yourself to. And is that even aligned with your true desires, with your values? For short-term things, sometimes you might need to use somebody else's ruler, right? Like if you're working for a company with a boss and deadlines, it's fine to say, I'm behind on work. But I'm going to invite you to stop saying, I'm behind in life, because that's a red flag, which begs the question, according to whom? Who is judging how behind or ahead you are? Is it society? Is it that external 
validation voice that you've internalized, why are you continuing to use that against yourself when in reality, the real fact of the matter is we're all paving our own way, especially those of us who are feeling lost, who are feeling directionless. It just means that we're taking some time to meander the metaphorical meadow and find our own way through the forest, the plains, the beach, whatever your landscape of choice is, you are creating your own world for yourself, one that feels truly deeply aligned to you and only you. I want to wrap up this episode by sharing with you some women who have achieved success. Keep in mind, this is you know, society's definition of success, people who are famous and have magazine articles written about them. So take this with a grain of salt, but still quite inspiring. And hopefully you'll keep these women in your mind. Like Toni Morrison, Nobel and Pulitzer Prize winning author. She wrote her first novel, The Bluest Eye, which is so, so good. Please read it. She wrote that at age 40 while she was working as an editor at Random House. And then she won her Pulitzer Prize when she was 56 and her Nobel at 62, okay? She didn't write that first big book until 40. And then it took another couple decades to win that cool Nobel that people know her for today. But she was doing shit before then, okay? It was all leading up to that. Vera Wang was actually a figure skater and journalist before entering the fashion industry when she was 40 entering when she was 40. That means that she was having this, oh shit, what the fuck am I going to do with my life moment when she was in her late 30s, okay? And now she's one of the world's premier women's designers. Kris Jenner, okay? Love her or hate her, but, but she's created something to the likes of an entertainment empire. She was 52 when she first met Ryan Seacrest in 2007 to pitch the show about her family, and then keeping up with the Kardashians became a hit when she was in her later 50s, okay? And now she's managing all of that in her 60s. So it's been a minute, you know? It took some time. Betty White, she was one of the most award-winning comedic actresses in history, but she didn't become that Betty White that we know her as today. R.I.P. until the Mary Tyler Moore show, which was when she was 51, okay? She was half a century years old before coming to her big break. And one person that I'm always fascinated by that I just decided to do personal research on, I was thinking, I'm like, hmm, when did Margaret Atwood publish Handmaid's Tale, right? And I know she was a writer before then, and her first book came out when she was like, I think, 27 or something, but these were more like quiet personal writing projects that she did win awards for, but not like so nationally, globally recognized. So Margaret Atwood, author of The Handmaid's Tale, you might know the show now. She has so many other incredible essays and books. Highly recommend deep diving into Margaret Atwood beyond The Handmaid's Tale, because I think a lot of people sleep on her other work. But anyway, she didn't publish Handmaid's Tale until she was 46, okay? 46. And now she's like, I don't know, 85 or 90, right? And she's still producing some of these amazing shows like Handmaid's Tale. Although some of these extraordinary, powerful women that I've, you know, just did some research on for the purpose of this podcast episode, even though right now it's like, oh, they're so 
cool and and famous and probably wealthy and are doing such important, meaningful work, right? Even though that's how we see them now, know that in their youth, in their early days of their career, they were probably outcasts, right? They were probably a little crazy, a little intimidating, doing or writing or producing or creating something a little weird and out there and not necessarily something that easily goes into a freaking pension fund followed by a retirement at 65, right? Toni Morrison, Vera Wang, Chris Jenner, Betty White, Margaret, I would like think about the obstacles they've had to overcome in order for us now, now that they're older and wiser and established and have done enough for magazines to admire them and write shit about them, even though that's like how we see them now, like that wasn't always the case. They were the ones paving their own way, probably feeling behind and directionless and like, oh, what am I doing with my life? My my shit's so weird and everybody else's is so normal and I'm not that way. Well, guess what? Those are the people that turn into fucking icons. So maybe that's you. And if so, and this is the podcast episode that inspired you to see yourself as an icon in the making or fuck it, you're already a fucking icon, okay? And if this is the podcast episode that is making you believe it, then I better get some credit at your award ceremony speech. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. And keep in mind, award ceremonies don't mean shit as long as you are living aligned to your values and that your definition of success is yours and yours alone. I love you so much and I will talk to you in the next episode. TTYL! One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.